Good morning. Welcome to worship at First Presbyterian Church of Columbus, Georgia. We're glad that you're here to join us as we worship God by offering our prayers and singing songs and listening to scripture. Please come in with us that we may worship God together. The first lesson this morning comes from the prophecy of Isaiah. Let us listen that we may hear what God will say. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of the messenger who announces peace, who brings good news, who announces salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your sentinels lift up their voices. Together they will sing for joy, for in plain sight they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you ruins of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. The word of the Lord. This morning we have two readings from the New Testament. The first comes from the book of Hebrews the first four verses of that book. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by a son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the worlds. He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being, and he sustains all things by his powerful word, When he made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And from the Gospel of John, these words from the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming to the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will or of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. 
and the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of a Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. The Word of the Lord. What story do you think is the best Christmas story? Which ones do you recall? It could be in this season of unending movie marathons that maybe you've watched a list of them, and the first one that pops up is Die Hard. Isn't it a Christmas story? It's set at Christmas. There's a Christmas party. The hostages are taken. The agent comes in. Okay, you're not buying it. Maybe it's Home Alone, the story of Kevin McAllister, who his family is getting ready to take a trip to Paris at Christmas time, and in the hubbub, the child gets left at home, and he has to deal with some hapless burglar, burglars and all that sort of thing, and in the meantime, wanders into a church on Christmas Eve for a service. Maybe you don't, may not want to admit this one, but maybe you enjoy the, the, the guilty pleasure of Billy Bob Thornton in Bad Santa. I don't know. Somebody does. There's Buddy the Elf, who is a human being but is raised by elves and returns to New York City to try to find his birth father, but nobody's buying that. And then there's the favorite of so many people who want to see a warm, loving family when they think of the Griswolds in National Lampoon Christmas Vacation. Ralphie. Everybody wants a BB gun, right? Every boy does. And every boy is up to a challenge. So yes, I'm going to stick my tongue on that frozen flagpole. In our house, we have a tradition of watching um, Rosemary Clooney and Vera Ellen and Danny Kaye and Bing Crosby in White Christmas, a very schmaltzy movie, by the way, but it's a, it's a tradition. It's a tradition. There's a wonderful life where there is a story that one person can make a difference in the world. Thank you, George Bailey. And who could forget Ebenezer Scrooge and The Christmas Carol? as he is visited by the ghost of Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas yet to come. There are so many versions of this, not only the written tale of it by Charles Dickens, but so many depictions of this in the movies with Reginald Owen and Patrick Stewart and George C. Scott. There's even versions with Mr. Magoo and Mickey Mouse and, of course, the Muppets. And this past year, this recently, there was the new movie released the man who invented Christmas, which tells the story of the creation of that event. And a new movie has come on this year, another animated version called The Star, based on the narratives of the Christmas story, but told from the viewpoint of the donkey. And no doubt you will recall Linus, as he tells the Christmas pageant in a Charlie Brown Christmas what the true meaning of Christmas is, as he recites the verses from Luke 2. All of these are wonderful tales, and some of them may be your favorites, and you may have others that I have missed. They, these range from tacky, some might even say vulgar, to things that are really profound and deeply moving. The stories are created 
with new characters and some of the old ones, but they are done in such a way that they take us back to that first Christmas story. And the fact that there are so many Christmas stories out there and the fact that they keep coming is reflective that even in the Bible, we begin with several strands that come together. These stories are offered to entertain us, the the movies and the the novels and those things. They're offered to entertain us. And entertainment is good. Sometimes it is a distraction from the world that we are in. There's a lot of pain out there. We all have obligations of one sort or another. There are things that pull us down, and finding a distraction here and there is not a bad thing. Sometimes, though, the stories are more than distractions. They reach beyond that, and at their best, they give us a glimmer, a glimmer of joy. Theologian Willie Willie Jenkins describes joy as an act of resistance against the forces of despair. An act of resistance against the forces of despair. And that is what the Christmas story does, the Christmas story does. It provides us with a basis to resist the despair that is in the world. The resistance is not simply an act of will. It is a framework for life. It is a way in which we as followers of this Jesus may shape our life and share our life together. So often when we think about the Christmas story, we do wrap it up with angels and wise men and the babe in the manger, and that's all there. Yet each one of the four Gospels tells the story a little differently. Mark, which is considered by biblical scholars the first written gospel account, does not even mention Jesus' birth, but immediately jumps into the need the world has for repentance. Luke provides the account of the shepherds and the angels traveling to Bethlehem. Matthew tells us about the wise men who see the star who come looking for the king of the Jews and how King Herod responds and reacts to that. And in the most underreported part of the Christmas narrative, the Christmas story, there is that part in Matthew where Herod dispatches his forces to Bethlehem looking for the babe and killing those who are there. And then there is John. John makes just a a straightforward proclamation, the Word is made flesh. The Word is made flesh to dwell among us. John repeats the claim of Isaiah, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. The world's pretty dark. This light that comes into the world is not overcome by all of the things that happen in it. Several weeks ago, we had a guest, Mark Brewer, who came to speak at our midweek luncheon and Wednesday night series, and he made a comment that that just resonated with me. He said, in a world that has as much darkness as ours, it does not take a very bright light to make a really big difference. Yeah, that's true. That light, that light shines forth. It is a beacon of hope 
and of peace and of love and of joy. That's what we've done the last four weeks as these candles have been lit, lit here at the, on the wreath. We have acknowledged the power of hope and peace and love and joy and the way in which that transforms not only ourselves, but the world around us. We say that oftentimes we look around us and we think that the world could be no worse than it is now, for whatever reason you may think that. Yet in a real sense, our human condition is such that throughout our history, throughout the time of the world, there have been difficulties and challenges. We may live in a time when there are weapons that can destroy and kill hundreds, if not thousands of people at one time, but the hearts that use them have not changed much throughout history. Sometimes closer to home, we find that things happen among us. I'm aware in this church community, this year has been difficult for many. There have been, large, there have been a, a number of deaths that have had ripple effects throughout not only this church, but through the larger community. There have been other places, other relationships that you may have had with other people outside of this place, this city, other places in the world where death has reached in and taken a friend or a family member or someone you admired. It is a hard thing, and these things wear on us and pull us down. And there are other things that happen in the world that I don't need to tell you about. Families will dissolve because of divorce. Just this last week, I received word that a good friend of mine was entering that minefield of divorce. Sometimes our friends move away. Sometimes our friendships lapse. Sometimes our relationships with people we know well just turn rancid. And we wonder what has happened. There are diseases that affect our bodies or those of the bodies of people we love, and it is difficult for us to manage and make our way forward. We need to find joy in the world. We need to find hope and peace and love, but we need to find joy, that, that glimmer that will light our path, that will provide joy to the world. There are a variety of dictionary definitions for joy. It's an emotion of great delight or happiness that is caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying. Yeah. Something exceptionally good or satisfying creates joy. Joy is a keen pleasure. Joy is the elation or a, or a cause of great pleasure or delight. It is a display of glad feeling, a festive gaiety, a state of happiness. Or joy is felicity. It's a great synonym, felicity. Joy, that we seek it, we, we think we know what it looks like, and we hold out our hope for it. 
This joy is more than movies and stories that we look for in our entertainment can provide. They can give us a glimmer, yet there is something beyond that, something that we reach for, and that as we reach for, we find someone reaching back to us. That is the joy we feel and find in our relationship with God. Entertainment may move us away from the things that are troubling us in the world, and it may even point us to the need, desire to want to reach out. But the surety that God will reach back first is where true joy is found. If joy is an act of resistance against the forces of despair, then how do we find it? Adam Bornerman, who is a Presbyterian minister, he began his ministry here as a seminary intern not that many years ago. He wrote this past week, the act of resistance against the forces of despair fills souls with satisfaction and instills in us an unwavering confidence despite outward circumstances. The soul-satisfying resistance that instills confidence is especially found in solidarity, friendship, and koinonia. It's a Greek word for community. We find joy in our relationships among ourselves and with each other and in the world and with God. We unexpectedly find and share joy either in the context of our own perseverance with God through trial or through friendship with those who are courageously persevering and who share this joy. So this Advent and Christmas season, Adam wrote, may be incredibly difficult for many of us, but it is not impossible if we've rendered joy it's, it's more than if we've rendered joy as synonymous with something that is fleeting. It happens and comes upon us. Joy is found with family and friends, with strangers in unexpected ways as God leads us through difficult times. That joy is a glimmer of hope. It is as the shepherd boy testified at the beginning of worship today. He saw the shepherds crying, but they were happy. And I was happy, the boy responded. Though I didn't understand everything that was going on, I knew that the most wonderful thing had happened. The Messiah had come. I started to laugh and run all over the hills because I felt so good. The power of joy moves in us as we reach out and God reaches toward us to hold us, to let us know that hope, peace, love, and joy come to us. May you 
share that this Christmas. Thanks be to God. Amen. It's been a privilege to join you this day in worship. We're glad that you were here. First Presbyterian Church seeks to serve and minister in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor. Go in peace as you love and serve God.